0: everyone dan cassidy here welcome to top of the morning on the ubs market moves podcast channel uh, joining me this morning for the cio strategy snapshot conversation glad to welcome back jason Trejo, head of asset allocation americas with the ubs chief investment office uh, jason good morning to you thank you for dropping by here on a monday morning and looking forward to our conversation hey,
1: good morning Dan. it's good to be here on a monday
0: Jason, I know our conversation this morning will tie into the most recent UBS house view for the month of April, and investors, they are getting ready to turn the page on the first quarter of 2022. That's coming up on Thursday. It has, of course, been a very challenging period for returns as mark hafley put it in his monthly letter the global market environment does remain faced with significant geopolitical as well as economic uncertainty though despite that it's been interesting jason just given the range of uncertainty equity markets despite that they have trended to the upside as of late i'm thinking back to last week so what jason do you attribute this momentum in equities to
1: well, it wasn't just last week. If we go back to March 8th, which was you know, sort of like, I guess, the year to date low, the S&P 500 is up 9% since that time period. It's actually back to the level that was prior to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So it's kind of, we've gone almost full cycle in the case, which is a little bit surprising given obviously what's going on in, over in, uh, in Europe. What's driven this, you know, in the past three weeks and last week appears primarily to be sort of your know, technical buying, like positioning. Investors had already de risked earlier in the year on the concerns about the Fed raising rates, slow down the economy. They further de risked once you know, Russia invaded Ukraine. And now I think what's happened is that people sort of things kind of got oversold. Uh, you know, some uh, the short covering has been taking place. There are momentum strategies that once things start to move, they start to add exposure. And they had de risked quite a bit back going back into February. So, so primarily kind of a technically driven story. There's also a little bit of perhaps the markets that priced in a significant amount of risk premium in terms of how bad things could get uh, in Ukraine, but also the, the implications for the global economy, for commodity prices. And some of what we've seen is maybe deep pricing out some of those, you know, those risks, at least a little bit. Um, so I think that's the primary driver. But if we kind of just also just look what's going on in the economy, at least in the U.S., things have, have been relatively resilient. The economic data has actually been surprising to the upside really for the past month or so. So it's continued actually doesn't almost so much get better, which we expected as the Omicron wave you know sort of uh, you know ended, which it's largely has. You know, but it's it's gonna kind of, the momentum has been quite solid. There's no real signs yet of uh, the economy kind of impacted by you know higher commodity prices, higher CAD prices or interest rates going up quite a bit. And undoubtedly it will, but if you just look at sort of aggregate data, there's no real data you know, evidence yet that's happening. Yeah, this has all been very soon, so we don't really get March data until starting this Friday when we get the the March uh, you know, unemployment report. We also get the March ISM reading and then other data you know, subsequent after that. So we'll get some indication of it, but higher frequency data that we can see a little bit more in real time, such as credit card spending, hasn't really shown any kind of you know pullback, a you know, bit of a shift towards you know obviously you know towards buying you know uh, gas, you know food prices, but generally you know spending has been resilient. So the economy is kind of holding up okay, and that's just an important point that it's maybe kind of giving the markets a little bit of support. Another factor is that well, there's obviously a lot of focus on the Fed getting more hawkish, think there's increasingly people pointing to the 1994 hiking cycle as maybe as a parallel for for what could happen this time, and this might also be just more hopeful as opposed to the early 1980s when inflation was high and the Fed raised rates a lot, ultimately triggered a recession to kind of bring inflation down. That's certainly been the fear but the ninety four hiking cycle is sort of noteworthy in that it was relatively fast, you know over the course of thirteen months, the Fed raised rates 300 basis points uh, and at this time it might take a little more than thirteen months, but the expectations are the fed could raise 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 rates three hundred basis points in roughly a a year and a half uh It's already pricing for fifty basis point hikes in you know a couple times this year in ninety four that happened twice, and there's a seventy five basis point hike. What also happened is that the yield curve flattened out to the point where the twos, the difference between the 10-year and the two-year fell to only, I think, seven basis points in December of 94, and then kind of trended back toward the 50 basis points for multiple years. And, of course, we know how the rest of the 1990s went from 95 onwards. It was a very strong economy, and ultimately ended up being a bubble by the end. So it wasn't a recession by any stretch. This is sort of the soft line of the Fed would hope it actually gets. You know, Time will tell on that. I think the market might be looking at that as maybe a little optimistic, and that could be another factor in driving you know, equities and risk assets. It's kind of bouncing off the lows. So primarily technicals, but solid you know, economics so far, and maybe some optimism in terms of the Fed hiking won't actually you know, trigger recession, but actually will lead us to more towards a soft landing than a hard landing.
0: Now we have a better sense as to why markets have been trading the way they are and what economic conditions look like today. Though as we make our way through the balance of 2022, what is the Chief Investment Office's central scenario as to how economic conditions in the U.S. might evolve from here?
1: Well, starting with the the Ukraine war, we expect that will continue. That This is a slog and won't end anytime soon. But developments will evolve such that sort of the sanctions that have been continually be incrementally added uh, will start to to peak by the summer. They may take a long time for them to reverse, but certainly they won't necessarily get any any worse. Uh, oil prices will also likely to peak by you know the summer, so we can see some upside there and then moderate kind of through the end of the year. So that's kind of you know how that that would play out. But we also see inflation sort of peaking again in the second quarter moderating as we move towards the end of the year um, you know not dramatic moderation you know if commodity prices stay high but certainly a clear trend from levels of seven eight percent down to four to five percent you know as we get into towards the end of the year uh, this environment would uh, support you know you know peak support for commodities energy pro- energy stocks uh, interest rates going higher which would be beneficial for financials uh, and we still see the sP being up by year-end with our new price target of 4700. Which, in current levels, is uh, you know about five percent higher from where we are. But the central scenario really kind of you know continue, is continuing on the U.S. and the global economy not to be into recession, which we don't think will happen not this year, but even within the next 12 months. And that the U.S. growth can be resilient to both higher rates and higher inflation and in other factors. We've seen kind of a clear pivot from Chinese policymakers to support you know, economic growth, support financial markets. Being more market friendly based on guidance in terms of tech regulation, of Chinese companies that are listed in the U.S. in terms of ADRs, you know, property taxes perhaps being on hold, and more stimulus. Now we have to see actual action and not just talk. But there's clues. To, you know, we think right now, from a perception or a policy perspective, there has been a inflection point. So that's all kind of central or part of our central scenario of why we still ultimately are kind of constructive on risk assets between now and year end.
0: So, Jason, on a near term basis, what factors do you believe will drive investor sentiment? Do you think about uh, perhaps the impacts of sanctions implemented against Russia in response to the war, how that's impacting oil prices? Those factors play into how investors are
1: thinking at the moment? So, I think ultimately what matters most in the markets is the growth outlook and the inflation outlook. So, you have to look at any of these things that you mentioned. How does that impact? growth, being resilient, not triggering a recession, inflation peaking in the coming months and then moderating. Uh, And so that's the dynamic that we have to think about. So in the near term, we're kind of following two points I just made, seeing something in terms of the peak sanctions and peak oil prices, I think are are kind of critical to give investors sort of confidence because at that point in time, if we know that's the case, then we can start to calibrate and quantify the the downside risks. And if they are the peak and things could start to kind of at least get better from an oil price perspective as they move kind of throughout the rest of the year. If that happens, then that gives you know, some comfort that, you know, maybe the downside risks, you know, won't materialize. The Fed is clearly hugely important in all this. Uh, and we're not yet sure if it's that sort of peak hawkishness, although the market keeps, you know, thinking it is. And then every time that happens, the Fed sort of moves you know, more aggressively to price in or indicate more hikes, are telling me. The thing about Fed hikes and, and the market response is that when we look at the past... Well four or five hiking cycles going back to the early 1980s equities actually did well after the first rate hike as did credit spreads uh and even you know interest rates would continue to go higher so if even if we're not at sort of peak hawkishness, so sort the of history tells us that equities can sort of rally kind of through that at least in, in in the coming months and that's what we've seen as far as the fed has hiked you know roughly ten days ago and equities have been so relatively resilient credit spreads have come down so it's it's so much i think given what it's already expected of the fed in some way it's Near term, that's not going to be the key, you know, the key driver. The near term would be anything that sort of removes the downside risk off of growth and giving people more comfort that a recession will be, a, will be avoided. I think that will be the key driver to allowing equities to, to ultimately kind of grow into higher by year end.
0: So Jason, if we tie this into portfolio positioning, given the outlook you've shared with us coupled with the present and perhaps ongoing risk considerations you shared with us a bit earlier, how are you recommending that investor's position at this time?
1: Earlier in the month, we already moved to neutral preference on equities for most preferred. Um, so there was no change on that overall equity view, that overall view for risk. Uh, and there was no kind of sector changes, things of that sort. The rationale for making that change a few weeks ago was that you know there's still a lot of uncertainty in the macro environment, uh, a lot of different paths that the economy could take in the coming months and quarters. So better to stick... Closer to kind of a long-term strategic benchmark, and not made huge tactical calls because it's just difficult to have high conviction on sort of market direction near-term, as opposed to maybe sort of relative opportunities. Uh, you know, for example, as I've already alluded to, the U.S. economy right now looks okay, but we still don't have full clarity yet on the impact of oil prices going up, uh, gas prices going up, and higher interest rates, the impact on consumer spending, the housing market, things of that sort. We think it's manageable, but there's still some downside to this. And even if the economic fundamentals look okay and the distribution seems reasonable in terms of you know upside and downside risks, there are also discrete risk events that could you know, you know shock the markets. The situation in Ukraine could escalate even further. Uh, you know, Russia could use uh, you know uh, you know various weapons that would you know, escalate this crisis to, to another level. We could see you know, further commodity price increases, and while commodity prices have gone higher, we're only now seeing data that clearly show the impact of supply from Russia in terms of oil and other commodities, such as agriculture goods and so industrial metals being impacted, those prices are likely to kind of continue to in higher, which is one of the reasons why we like the commodities. And the Omicron wave is hitting China. There's potential for more strict lockdowns, which would disrupt supply chains. So there's these discrete risk events that if they happen certainly in the near short term, they would cause markets to pull back, even if ultimately they might be temporary in terms of the, the long-term economic outlook. So I think for that reason, you know we're also sort of still neutral on equities if we also consider how much the s&p has rallied it's up nine percent as i mentioned earlier it's kind of at the top end of our range we think it's reasonable for at least for the very term uh let's say, you know from 4200 which is low, to around 4500 where it is now keep in mind that we're only five percent below the all-time high for the s&p that was reached on january 3rd and since that time we've had a war in ukraine we've had commodity prices go higher and we've had a fed continue to round up its hawkishness, we're the move quite significantly. So the fact that the S&P is only down 5% from that point of time, suggests, that that you know, at this point, a amount a risk price in the market. So there is the relative to the rate that we think equities will, will trade in, but ultimately the fundamentals kind of went out and equities move higher throughout uh, by year end. A couple of changes that we did make in this, uh, this update just last week, investment-grade corporate credit had been sort of least preferred for, you know, over a year. We've upgraded that to uh, least to neutral. The reason for that is the, the caution on the asset class before was the fact that we expected rates to rise. The investment-grade corporate credit is a long-duration asset. It's sensitive to, to rising rates it does poorly in that environment. And also credit spreads were relatively tight, so you didn't get kind of compensated that much for the risk uh, that you were taking. Well, rates have moved higher, and I think the large that rate move should be done at least in the near term, and spreads have widened out. So, from something that looked unattractive, and now looks at least more balanced. This comes after IG is down eight percent for the year, so it's kind of also a reflection of a lot of negative news that's reflected in that. And if you're adding to investment grade corporate bonds in your portfolios, the way we would sort of fund it is out of kind of U.S. government bonds that have similar durations, so something like a seven to ten-year kind of government bond, something that's in the intermediate time frame. So you're not taking interest rate a risk you're just kind of basically making a a call, and investment grade great corporate bond spreads are more attractive. So that was one change that we made, but overall the risk position had not changed much in you know the trustee update. Okay, given that we already made the change early on the month on, on neutral equities.
0: Well, Jason, thank you very much for dropping by top of the morning today to walk us through CIO's current thinking with respect to asset allocation, but also speaking to the economic landscape here in the U.S. and how that might play out in the months to come. So. Thank you again, Jason, and wish you a nice week ahead. You're welcome. Today, we've been joined by Jason Dreho, the Head of Asset Allocation Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So as a reminder to our clients and our listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can all be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS Trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us.